But I, I do want to say this, that um, it, the, the idea, and we'll read it now, obviously it's coming from Isaiah 9, um, of Emmanuel, God with us, is such a beautiful concept and so, such a mystery. It's very powerful. It's probably one of the areas or doctrines in the church that is probably looked at the least, but it should be the most. Um, and um, the early church understood this. They were uh, quite radical about the doctrine of incarnation, if you, if you want to give it a, a, a title and a doctrine. Um, and in the early church, there was a lot of attack on this whole understanding. Because if you get this wrong, you can, you can get the whole, whole gospel wrong. So there was a real challenge, and there were a lot of thoughts, a lot of things that were going on around this whole topic. And uh, in, um, it's four, in 451 AD, um, in a place... I'm probably going to kill its pronunciation, C-H-A-L-C-E-D-O-N. I think it's Chalcedon or Chalcedon was the city's name where they gathered together this huge council where you get the uh, Chalcedon Creed. Um, they spent from um, about the 8th of October all the way through to the 1st of November just discussing one topic and that was the doctrine of incarn incarnation uh, and bringing a finality and an understanding to it. Uh, if you want, if you're history and you love history, or whatever it was during Empire, Emperor, Emperor Marcius, uh, and Pope Leo the First during that time, um, there was a whole massive discussion going on about the um, deity of Christ and how he could be God and man and and all of that, and that's where it was established. So if you want to go back and understand that, but it's been established from way back then. It has not changed um, because God's word is true. Amen. It's always true, and, uh, and so God established with that council, one of the most detailed, most documented uh, councils and creeds that were, came out from the early church way back then. So I'm going to do my best to just give you a couple of little thoughts on this whole area, and then uh, we'll trust we'll unpack it uh, some more and go into some more scripture. But I do want to read that, that scripture because I love it, um, Isaiah 9, it's obviously a, a wonderful scripture over the Christmas period. Isaiah chapter 9, let's just read from verse 6. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given. A child is born and a son is given. And then it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Goes on beautifully to talk about the increase of his government and of peace, there'll be no end. But though that, uh, verse 6 really just epitomizes the doctrine of incarnation, the understanding that for unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. And then you look at these wonderful names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So we see here this beautiful picture of humanity and this beautiful picture of God, of deity in one as the son, a son is born. Amen. So I want to kind of give you some, some, some truths that we, why this is so important. Uh, and hopefully I'll, I will unpack it a little bit as well today. But we can preach that God loves us, but it's another thing to be loved by God. It's one thing to be forgiven. But to live forgiven and to live never looking back, it's one thing to hear and to believe that you and I have been set free. Yes. 
but to live free. It's one thing to, to know that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, but to live a life empowered, full of life and godliness is another thing, right? It's one thing to preach God is merciful. It's another thing to receive His mercy. So I believe that all of this is key in our understanding of Christ coming to this earth. That Jesus did not just come to this earth to t take care of sin, take care of a whole bunch of things. But it's way more than that because He didn't want us just to know and to receive all of that. He wanted us to live in it. So if we can understand this a little bit this morning, it might help us get that revelation. He, Christ didn't come just to forgive you and I our sins. He came to restore us back to our rightful place and who we actually were designed and are, right? We, I, we preach this in this church like till I've got veins popping out. So, um, so that we, we must understand that, that this isn't just about uh, us coming back into a rightful standing with God. This is about restoring us back to who we actually are in Jesus. Sons and daughters of the living God, full of the power and presence of God in our lives. So when Jesus comes to this earth, He had to come and He had to be our representative. So I'll go through that now. But He also didn't just want to be our representative. He also wanted to model something of who we are as sons and daughters of the living God right now. What does it look like for a person to be completely, totally sinless and filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, we don't have to think what it would look like. We just have to go to the Bible and study the life of Christ. Study the life of Jesus. You'll find out what it looks like to be a person that is sinless, that's filled with the presence and power of God. Because that's who you are. And if you're not living in it, you maybe need to understand this doctrine a little bit better because that's why Jesus came. Amen. Thank you for that enthusiasm. Amen. Grant, that was good preaching. That was awesome. See, who I am in Him, church. Uh, Matthew 5, uh, verse 16 or something like that where, where uh, it talks about how we are to let our light so shine that by our good works, we will bring glory to Him, bring glory to His name. How do you bring glory to God's name? By your light shining. How does your light shine? By allowing Christ to be your life and your all, because He is the light. This isn't about hard work. This is about allowing Jesus to have His rightful place of control and authority over your life. Amen. That's why He came. That's why we live. That's why we breathe. See, the important essence of the, of the gospel is not just a life that's forgiven. It's a life that has been transformed. It's been changed. I was this person, and I was living a lie, and now God transformed me into the truth. I'm now living in the reality of a transformed new creation, new creature in Christ. And that new creature in Christ is empowered by God. He has become my life, my light. He's the way. He's the truth. And as I yield to His way, as I yield to His truth, as I yield to His life, as I yield to His light, my life shines and is an example and a declaration to all those around me which brings glory to God, not my life. Then I'm not shining the light, I'm shining something else, right? 
See, the kingdom of God is within me. See, there's a change that happened at the cross, friends. We stopped sweating. There's something happened in the garden. Should we go back to the garden? See, what happened in the garden is they chose to do this thing by themselves. And God said, by the sweat of your brow, you will now toil. Then Jesus comes and he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. No more toil. Now, how does that work? Because I'm not going to sit there and drink pina coladas and put my feet up. The reality is that he comes to be my life. He comes to be my light. The Holy Spirit now empowers me. Too many scriptures for me to go through this morning of how He has become the empowering of God inside of me. I don't do this anymore. He does it. I rest and stay yoked to Him. My job is to stay yoked to Him. My job is to make sure that, I, that He's right next to me, yoked to Him, because his, his burden is, is, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Light. When we come to this time of the year, often, and it's like, oh, just, man, it's been a tough year. Burdens, man. Just, and this real stuff that's going on, whatever. Just, I love you, all of you. I'm going to say it, but I love all of you. I'm just saying, it's, it shows a, a lack of understanding of the gospel. You know, 95% of all counseling cases and all things that we, as a church where we have to deal with is people challenged by people. 95%. It's people. It's challenging people. And what that does tell, even my own heart and all of our hearts, that we have, do not have an understanding of the finished work of the cross and of the doctrine of incarnation. Because we're allowing people to speak. We're allowing people to dictate. We're allowing people to say something that Christ has already conquered and done. The Bible says, owe no man anything. Nobody owes me anything and I don't owe them anything except one, to love. See, my life is not dictated to by what people do, what they think and how they act. Because the last time I checked, their name wasn't Jesus. So he's not Lord. Jesus is Lord. So I'm not yielded to what other people think or say or whatever they do. My life is not dictated by that. My life is dictated by the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. By who He is. Now I can live and I can outwork what He has already done for me. So I'm not living every single day to wake up for somebody to come and to please me or love me or help me or do anything because I'm the finished product. No, but you're a work in progress. I'm a finished product. My life is in a progress. But I am a finished product because I am spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. And my spirit is the finished product, right? So what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to live in that place that Christ paid for, which is not just to renew me and redeem me. Otherwise, you would have said, beam me up, Scotty, straight afterwards. <laughs> right? Because if you leave me for, on this earth for five more seconds alone to myself, I will go back to the garden. That's why he didn't leave us alone and by ourselves. He said, no, I'm, not. <laughs> I'm with you, baby. <laughs> you think that statement, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, was, no, never mind. No. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll throw this out for free because it just comes into my head. Do you know when the Bible says, if you love me, 
you'll keep my commandments. If you'll love me, there's a few things that, that we will do. Do you know how that is actually taught and said from the Bible? If you love me. If you love me. Pete, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Right? So if you don't keep my commandments, do you really love me? Right? It's not how the Bible's saying it. It's a declaration. Saying, hey, you know what? We get to love him. Woohoo! When we love him, hey, guess what we do? We keep his commandments. So way different. Because if you love me, is a dependency on me now. Or if you, if you, oh, that is close. <laughs> if you, don't speak fast, let me have some water. <laughs> if, if you love, if, if, if you, if you do this, it's again that whole thing that wants to put it back on us, which means we haven't understood the cross and why Jesus paid the price and went through everything that he did, Right? Because he knows that if I rely on you, I am going to have a long journey. But the enemy has so sold us the dummy and religion has so, so, sold us such a dummy that at the end of the day we are still being dummies because we are still trying to do this thing in our own strength and our own ability and God's trying to get us rid of our own ability and own strength and saying, come into the freedom and the place that I have for you. Amen. So I'm going to try and do a few things and see if, if I can break in a little bit. Um, so my heart, I've always, I love this. I, Christmas time for me is, I love it. They can call it happy holidays and anything they want. It's Christmas time to me. Uh, wherever you want to get it from, Christ, Mass, it wasn't heavy. It was... Uh, it, <laughs> However you got the name, the bottom line for me is Christmas is a time where I celebrate the joy of Christ coming into this earth. That's, that's what it means to me, right? And, um, and I know that we use Matthew and we use uh, Luke a lot to, to depict all the cuddly, nice part of Christmas, right? It's really nice, these little lambs. <laughs> and um, that was a terrible lamb. But anyway, um, that sounded like a, not so well lamb. Um, but there's all these, you know, the whole nativity scene and there's straw and there's little baby Jesus and all of that. I want to actually say one of the best uh, Christmas time stories can be found in John. John chapter 1. In the beginning, in the beginning, beginning, in the beginning, 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 was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he was there in the beginning, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So confusing, but not so confusing, because we've got Father, we've got Son, and we've got Holy Spirit, right? So the Word was with God, so the Word was with the Father and with Holy Spirit, but the Word was also God. So it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're not going to go into the doctrine of Trinity or Trinitarian understanding this morning, but you, it is very important that we do understand that, that God is seen as one God, but three persons, separate individual persons, right? So you had God uh, the Son. Now God the Son was there from the very beginning, and He was called the Word, right? 
So the Word was there right from the very beginning. So when Jesus was born was not the beginning of God the Son. It was the beginning of God the Son of Man or Jesus as we understand, as we know Him in the flesh, right? So He was there from the very beginning and then He broke into time. And what I love to get this full understanding is because the Bible says, John 1, 14, if you carry on, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So the Word, right in the very beginning, being there all along in harmony with the Father, in harmony with the Holy Spirit, beautiful. They had a perfect harmony. There was nothing missing. Everything was beautiful. But they decided that they were going to now break into time and that the Word would now put on flesh so that the Word could be manifest in a whole different way. For the first time ever, we could now see God. It's very powerful that there would be a revelation and an understanding that the Word, which was um, there from the beginning, could now break in and we would be able to see he would, the Word would become flesh. Right? Now when it says uh, became, it doesn't mean that he had to give up his deity. Very important this. God didn't suddenly decide, okay, now I'm going to give up my deity. I'm going to take on humanity. God all along re remained and kept his deity, but he just added humanity to that. God had never broken into humanity, but for the first time now he would break in. So he would now add something to who he was, not take away from who he was. Have we got that? It's very, very important. It's probably the most key thing when Jesus came about an understanding of the incarnation of, of, of and the birth of Jesus Christ and what it means. Jesus actually had the full deity. Uh, Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says that the, the, the fullness of deity now dwells bodily inside of Christ. So Christ was fully God and he was fully man. Do we understand that? Very important. He didn't give up something. These two didn't merge and form a third uh, nature or personality. There were two natures inside of Christ. The key thing there is that Christ never ever relied on his deity or drew from his deity in his journey in the flesh on this earth. Do you understand that? Now, it can get confusing. I'll just drop this out now. Maybe we'll talk about it. But a lot of the time, you have a lot of the theologians talking about, no, it's... You can tell the deity of Christ because of the things that he did. Like he walked on water and he stood up in the boat and he declared to the storm. I don't believe that. And I don't believe that was him drawing from his deity. I believe that was him drawing from his humanity in God. I don't believe he drew from his uh, deity at all on the earth because then otherwise it would, would fail in the key uh, point of his journey on this earth. He had to become like us in every single way. I know there's a, uh, there's a scripture that I can, some people might quote, but I'll, I'll just quote it for you now quickly, um, where you can kind of go, hmm. But let me just read it. So in Philippians chapter 2, let's just read it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. There he was in the form... Of God, he did not account 
or count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a ser- servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name is above every single name. So, though he was in the form of God, you know what account equality with God is something to be grasped. What, what, what is it saying? What it's simply saying is that though he was God, he didn't count it as something, he's not going to let it go, he's going to grasp it, but he could actually let it go and become a servant. That doesn't mean he'd stop being God. Um, it means that he just didn't count it as something that, to be grasped, but that he could just lay it all down and become a servant. There's something very powerful about uh, that understanding that we've, we should celebrate and declare about Christmas is that God the Son, God, could actually come down and humble himself, not to come down here and be a big shot. And Because you see, this is the key, church. You must understand this. There's, there's a, there was a necessary requirement that had to take place. And I'll read the scriptures now. But what had to take place is God had to become just like us. He had to take the form of flesh. He had to take the form of, of a human being and of, of everything of who we are in order to become our representative, in order to become our substitute, to take our place so that he could go to the cross and die on our behalf. That had to happen. He had to do that. But there's way more here than just that. God could have just come down, beam me down, Scotty. I've now got everything. I'm a human with all the stuff, whatever, and let me go to the cross and die. But no, he comes in such humility and such beautiful majesty in that he's born in a stable in the lowest of the low. He comes to a family that's of no reputation, the lowest of the low, and he comes there and he humbly, because the Bible says in Mark 10, uh, 45, it says, uh, Christ did not come to be served, but he came to serve. So he came to be a servant. So there's this beautiful humility, the, the birth of Jesus Christ, the understanding there is of just of this incredible humility of that God, and that God also, eternal God, would limit himself down to a little womb in, inside a woman and to be a little baby that had to be taken care of all the time, just like any other child. Jesus didn't just go, he had to cry out, I'm hungry, and Mary had to take care of him. The reality is he took on everything, the, the form of humanity. And also what they, had to, they were challenged with, one of the false understandings too, is that, is like that, that Jesus just took on part of humanity. Jesus didn't take on part of humanity. He took on all of humanity. That means he had a soul. That means he had a human mind. That means he had emotions and feelings and everything that we have, he had. Because he had to now journey his whole journey as a human. Not just as a substitute so he could pay a price for our sins, also as a human. There's a difference. I hope I'm going to get this across today. He, was, he had to walk this journey without sin so that he could go to the cross, so that he could die on the cross, pay the price, so that he could restore us back to who we, we actually were designed and created to be, right? Sons and daughters. Jesus died on the cross to restore back your son and daughtership. Bottom line, right? But not just that. He also came and he walked this earth in our in clothed in humanity as the son of man 
so that he could model and show us so that he could be example because we were created in the image of God so that we could be who we were called to be and that's Jesus's, little Jesus, right? Not Jesus himself, little Jesus. Let's go to, quickly just to Hebrews. Let me throw some scriptures out and I'll try and pull it together. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, maybe. Um, you can go from verse 14 if you want. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham, verse 17. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. For surely he was made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Because we can, we'll just keep just moving along. If you go to Hebrews chapter 3, just a few verses later. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. The apostle and high priest of our confession. That in itself is very, very powerful. Jesus becomes the apostle and high priest of our confession. Just understand that. He becomes the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. If he becomes the high priest, means he can stand there now as the high priest. When we come before the Lord as the high priest, he can now officiate over the offering, which is himself. So when God looks down at us, he can say, cleansed, qualified, healed, set free, blessed. He officiates as the high priest over our lives, right? But he also officiates as the apostle. And that, don't dig too deep into that except this, simply this. An apostle means a sent one. So Jesus could come along and say, John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I can now send you. He is our apostle. As the sent one, he can now officiate. He officiates as the apostle over our lives as sent ones because he was sent. And now as he outworked, so we can now outwork exactly the same because he did everything according to the design and the pattern that God had for man. Many sons, many daughters. Jesus said that, that, that he died on the cross so that there would be many sons and daughters. I can see... I think, oh, oh, never mind. Our faces <laughs> kind of tell me I'm, am I confusing people? But anyway, all good. Keep going. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, let's just quickly read there. Uh, verse 14, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of God that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now that in its very essence should help us. What, it should, what it's saying to us there is that 
Jesus became like us, not just because he had to be sinless and die on the cross, but he also became like us because he's become a high priest now who understands every single challenge, every single weakness, every single thing that we go through in our lives, right? So now he stands there as one who can um, offer advice. He's the counselor, the mighty God now, the Prince of Peace. He can now release and help us in our lives, not just counsel, because I find a lot of the time counseling is trying to get us somewhere when Jesus, when he counsels, is to tell us where we are already. Finished work of the cross. I'm telling you, I'm going to be 85 in the shade and I'll still be declaring and saying this and trusting that the church will eventually catch it. That when he said it is finished, it is truly finished. He did everything on the cross. And it all comes and stems back from, from the, his birth and how he was born fully. The Word became flesh. It became flesh. It was, it was fully human, the Word. The Word that we could not have a, an understanding of, remembering that Christ, before he was born into this world, was spirit. He did not have a material body. Is that great? Understanding that God is spirit. Do we understand this? God did not have a material body. Let me ask you this. Who, who, who was incarnate? The Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? Only Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh. God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are not flesh. Only Jesus became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Now the living Word, the Word was the expression. It's why now it's not about us doing something. It's about us lining ourselves with what? The Word. If you catch this, you catch the whole finished work of why Jesus came. The Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, so that the Word was living and active, a pure representative, a pure image of Almighty God. No longer out there somewhere, but something that I could understand and see, because God is Spirit. Let me shock you with this. Right now, sitting in heaven is flesh. Just not flesh of the way you understand it. You see, oh, this could go down a deep trail, yeah. Let me just say this. See, water and blood is what represents flesh. But water and blood can be defiled. You can defile water. You can defile blood. Your blood can become... So Christ, the deity... God the Son had to come down into flesh, into water and blood, so that pure water and blood could go to the cross, so that pure water and blood could be gushed out of the side when the spear opened up, so that pure water and blood could pay the sacrifice that was needed. Pure water and blood birthed the new creation, it birthed the church. 
It birthed Jesus because it poured out and it touched this cursed earth. And the curse was broken. But pure water and blood, Christ also had to have Holy Spirit, when He came out of the water, fill Him. Water, blood, Spirit. Now when the Spirit makes you and I alive, we have an earthly body which is filled with the Spirit. So sin has been taken care of, filled with the Spirit. The last enemy, Romans chapter 8, is that we are going to get glorified bodies. This earthly body is going to be taken away and we're going to get glorified bodies. And that glorified body is no longer going to be water and blood. It's going to be light. Because you cannot defile light. Darkness and light. You can't defile light. Is this too deep? Let's go swimming. Should we go swimming? Because the light is the life. John chapter 1. The light is the life of men. It's our life. His light that he now comes and shines in our hearts and lives. It's his light that creates us and makes us now the light. Amen. So he comes... And he takes the form of man and he takes on full humanity, but he is fully man, fully God. Right? Now, as he walks on this earth, I believe, this is, I believe this is what the Bible teaches, the gospel teaches, is that he walked on this earth. He walked fully as the son of man, fulfilling and doing all that God had called him as the son of man. Then when he goes up to be with uh, the Lord. You'll see there um, going fast now is that he's, uh, Mary comes to the grave. She wants to now go and uh, see that he's all right. Everything's fine. Um, the stone is rolled away. I love this. Um, when the stone's rolled away, it's, it's not for um, his benefit. It's for our benefit, right? Um, I love that. Because well, he didn't have to roll the stone away. Hello. How many? Was I draw the picture? He is God. Is a stone going to keep him inside there? He doesn't have to roll it away so he can get out. Hello? <laughs> Just roll away. So anyway, she comes there. Moving on. So she comes on, and then he, there he is. And then he says to her, Mary, Mary, don't, because I haven't ascended. Right? You can't touch me yet. But he's shining. Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus. Oh, it's beautiful. Anyway, so he goes up to heaven. Um, he... he Puts the blood on the mercy seat now in heaven, the, the, the real, not the top, not the tabernacle on the earth, not the temple, the, the real one. That's actually in heaven. Now forever on the mercy seat in heaven. It's a mercy seat. It's so magnificent. When you come to before his throne, you'll receive what? Mercy. Because guess what? It's, there's a mercy seat. Um, it's not a judgment seat. It's not a, oh, man. Birth of Jesus. God would come into this earth. Oh, we're getting there. If I can get there. Um, how are we doing? What's the Please, dear Lord Jesus. Where are we? Um, 10.36. Okay, we're doing all right. Um, so, so now he goes to heaven. Then he comes, now he comes back. Then he goes to see the disciples. 
He's now in his glorified body and whoops, through the walls. Magnificent, eh? Can't wait for that day. Whoops. Anyway. Now let me, let me share this with you. Quick thought, side trail, bring me back. Side trail. Why do you think man and Hollywood and all of that are so consumed? DC uh, comics and, and, and Marvel with uh, super, superpowers. It's all fantasy, right? How many know it's fantasy? Listen, I've been bitten by many, many spiders over my whole life. I promise you there's nothing shooting out of my hands or whatever. The only thing you might go is to hospital. Right? You're not going to become Spider-Man, I promise you. It's all fantasy. What is eternal is Jesus, understanding Jesus, right? So, but there's this absolute obsession about superpowers. We have superpowers, friends. We are supernatural beings. We just have not tapped into the revelation, understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. That He's done it, and if I'm still relying on myself to actually tap into that, I'm going to be there for the rest of eternity until he brings a revelation and says, come over here. It's almost that archaic old example, but it never uh, wears off. Is when you get given this ticket on this boat to go on this long trip, whatever, and that, and you get onto the boat, and then you go and sit there and find yourself a little corner, and, and you're like starving, and you're like fighting the rats for the little... When it's finished, the cap, you're getting off the boat, and the captain comes to you, and he goes, gee, we missed you at the captain's table. And you go, what do you, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, your ticket was fully paid for. It was food included, everything, games, all kinds of stuff. You, we, we haven't seen you. There's a lot of Christians. It's fully paid for ticket, if you didn't know. Jesus paid the price. It is finished now. And it's all been paid for. And we don't sit there and find scraps. We're actually filled with the presence and power of God. He's done it. It's a finished work. That's why when you stand before you, I'm not crying out to God. Oh, God, refresh me because I'm so, I'm going, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Rivers of living water are flowing from my belly. They are refreshing me daily if I just believed it. Yes. Amen. And that he is ruling and he's reigning and already he's given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. Already it's done. It's a done deal. I already have healing. I'm not trying to get healing. I'm not trying to move God so that I'll get healed. I am already healed. I have to apply the application of the blood of Jesus and what it did for me on the cross in terms of my healing, right? He sent forth his word and healed him. I have to uh, grab hold of the word and allow the word to now take authority and control over whatever the situation is because he's Lord and he reigns and the kingdom of God is within me. It's not here, it's not there. It's within me right now. And I bring the kingdom of God and the rule and reign over my life. Amen. Now I'm not putting it out. Hear my heart, I'm not putting any con condemnation on anybody. You can be on a journey and whatever, and that's wonderful. I'm just giving you, I'm, I'm actually taking you to the finish line, I'm, and, and wherever you're journeying to, that is the reality. The reality is you should never, ever have to be delivered of anything. Because Jesus delivered you. But there is a reality sometimes that we journey some stuff together, whatever, and get set free. I understand all of that. And God will meet you wherever you're at. That's the beauty and the love and the nature of who He is, right? But I'm just giving you the finished work of the cross, right? Somebody's got to preach it. <laughs> well, we, we can do it in stages and take a very long time. You know, He did die on the cross. But let's just take one step back and let's just know. Let's just go there and then let's just let the Lord Holy Spirit lead us because it's not about me and He loves me and He is leading me and He will direct me and He'll bring revelation as He needs to. I have preached some of this stuff for years and I wish I hadn't. 
It's like off the wall. I had to stand up many times in the pulpit and say, I'm sorry, guys, just whatever you were listening to before, just scrap that. Just because revelation comes, and I know the Holy Spirit often brings it at the right time. So I'm in no way bringing any condemnation or anything on anybody. I'm just saying this is the finished work of the cross, and this is what we can grab hold of and what we can live in right now. In 2023, it can be the greatest year you have ever, ever had in your entire life if you grab hold of this. Because then nobody can shake you. No, no circumstances, no situation. It, you know, oh, you don't know, I got fired. Praise God, the door closed, another one's opening. Amen. Because the reality is that you can't shut a door that God opens. See, I start to live in that place instead of, oh God, now mercy, uh, the door is shut and I need to know, can you go and find some door to open? Hello. He lives inside of me. I'm his child. I'm full of the presence and the power of God. Nothing can stop him. If he's inside of me, I say, whoo, you go, baby. And then as I just, I'm led by him. So then he opens and he makes a way where there seems to be no way. And, I, and then I won't allow those things to speak because they're not Lord. I won't allow people to speak because they're not Lord. Amen. And then I surround myself by 24-7 church because they're people who speak health and life and blessing over one another. Amen. Encourage one another. That's who I want to surround myself with. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Did I even get anywhere in the incarnation? Let me just have a look here. Okay. Uh, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Ah. Uh, Where else can I land? I told you this is many pieces all just sitting together in a whole bunch of... Uh, yeah, I'm going to land. I'll give, I'll give Connor a hospital pass. No, I won't. Uh, <laughs> Now I went. Um, let me land with just reading the, go the gospel, but the Christmas story. So in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. How many know that Jesus, even as a little baby in the manger, held everything together? It, it, honestly, it freaks, it freaks me out. It, that's why it's such a mystery. It's so beautiful. He was fully still Jesus. It's amazing. You know what's, what amazes me? I'll tell you what amazes me. No. <laughs> no. What amazes me is, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. did you see that? No, no. Uh, what amazes me is that this, the, the Son of God, God, got hungry. Because he was also a man. It's powerful, eh? Do you know that the Son of God died? See, do you, do you, do you ever even like. Think of these things. Because God can't die. 
See, there was the Son of God and there was the Son of Man. And right now, I think that's where I was going before, but anyway, right now, in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, you know when he's talking to his disciples and then he goes up. And if you read Luke chapter 24, when he shows the disciples, they feel the marks of the glorif his glorified body. And then it also says later how he's chatting to them and then he's taken up. Do you think Jesus was taken up and said, yippee, thank the Lord, toss that body. Right now, Jesus is up there in a body, a glorified body, and it's got marks in his hands and in his feet. Right now, there is the Son of Man in heaven, and there will be for eternity always be the Son of Man in heaven, who understands you and I fully. Isn't that, is that, is that blow your mind? It's just, is, it's, it's, is that beautiful? He, he became flesh so that he could do all of this, and then he got a resurrection body, and now he's in heaven. Man is representative in heaven. He's now our high priest on our behalf. This is just awesome, isn't it? Like, mind-blowing, beautiful. Anyway, so... Uh, all things were made by in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will overcome it. Uh, quickly going to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Why did Jesus come? He came to reveal grace and truth. How many know that too? The Bible says that the, 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 the law was given but grace and truth came. How many know that no matter all the other single religions, they're all desperately trying to climb a mountain or desperately trying to call out to a God who's far off, who sometimes doesn't hear. Even Elijah gave us a lovely little illustration of that. Hey, maybe your God's gone to the toilet. Maybe he's just gone missing for a while. This is in the Bible. I'm not <laughs> it's, um, you need to shout a little bit louder, right? But God was very clear because um, they were like, Ripping their skins and everything, yeah, and shouting as loud as they could. But Elijah didn't have to worry because he knew God was close. He could just say, okay, God, bring down the fire, baby. And the fire came. See, that's the reality of what we, that's the Old Testament. Think of the New Testament now, that it's Jesus who's inside of us, man. Bring the fire. Amen. Not these guys stomping around churches going, fire, fire. I'm talking about the fire of God. You don't have to shout. You don't have to spit. You don't have to pop veins like I'm doing now. You <laughs> it's the fire of God because it's Christ inside of me. The eternal fire. The all-consuming fire. That's who He is. He wants to bring fire. Amen. How I many you know, I'm not literally, don't worry, your house is safe. I'm just talking about the fire of God, the presence and power of God, right? So how about this? This is beautiful. So it says here... Um, and the Word became flesh, dwelt amongst us. We have seen His glory, glory as His only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, verse 16, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. It's a beautiful scripture about Jesus being God, but... Um, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. So Christ came so that we would receive grace. 
grace upon grace. Constantly he came to give us grace, right? Then if you just quickly go to uh, the famous one, John chapter 3, um, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe in Him is condemned already. So Christ comes, Jesus comes to bring grace. Not only does He come to bring grace, the Bible says He never came to condemn. This is, this is powerful, beautiful, good stuff. Amen. If you, if you read in the discourse in uh, John chapter 18, I don't even have time, in the discourse of, uh, of Jesus and Pontius Pilate, It says, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. Whatever verse that is. Verse 37. For this purpose I was born and came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, what does it say? It says, if you abide in my word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus came into this world so that we could have grace. He came into this world to bear witness to the truth. So that if we can embrace the truth, John 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, and then John 6 verse 51, Jesus said, I am the living bread. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. So Jesus comes to bear witness to the truth, the truth of grace, grace upon grace. And whoever will abide in that, the truth will set them free. They will live free in this life. And as they live free in this life, they will experience the fullness of who He is and who we are in Him. So the incarnation of Christ coming in both in human form and in, in, in deity, was so that He could bear witness to us about a beautiful truth, a truth that has been hidden for ages, a truth that has been uh, covered up and has been uh, uh, wrongly expressed by religious and religious people and the church. Is why Jesus was so angry always at the Pharisees. Because they kept hiding the truth. They kept... Saying something else. What was the something else? They portrayed him and they portrayed God as a hard taskmaster. They portrayed God as somebody who was angry all the time and was judging and was always after wanting to discipline and correct and fix and punish. That's why he got so angry. That's why I get popping veins. Is because at the end of the day, that is completely the opposite of who our Father is. For God so loved the world. He desperately wanted to come, even at the expense of taking who He was, the Son of God who was a spirit, eternally in harmony and joy and peace with the rest of, of, of uh, the Trinity, and break into flesh so that this, He could come in flesh and show us the truth, to show us love. 
If we, if we understand the finished work of the cross, we'll understand that you and I have become love. We have been transformed into who Jesus and God really is. He is love. He loves us so much. He wouldn't just say, well, I'm love, but now you're going to have to earn and work and you have to do a bunch of stuff and jump a whole bunch of, of, of hurdles. He said, I am love and love. You have become now love. You are made in, the, in my image. Now you become love and now all you owe anybody is just to love. And guess what? You can't do it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Oh dear God, help me. No, so don't worry. I'm going to now come. And I'm coming down as God and as man and I'm going to now put myself inside of you so that you can be love and that you can express who you are fully through me. This is the gospel. This is the doctrine. I am the living bread. That's not communion now. Every time I take communion now, I'm talking about consuming Christ, Christ becoming your life. He is the living bread I taste, I eat from Him. He is my everything, my all. And when I taste and eat from Him, I live forever. I will never taste the second death. I have not gone that far in Revelation to say we're going to skip the first one. Immortality is for the movies. For me, we age because we're made from dust. And until that's all finished, the Bible says the last enemy. So I believe, but I do believe that Jesus came and said, I conquered sin and death. There's something of the life of God that should be conquering in our lives anything that speaks death. In your life, anything that speaks fear. He has conquered it. No matter what you're journeying and what you're going through, if you're born again, you are the temple of God. The presence of God now dwells inside of you. And if it dwells inside of you and He rules and He reigns in the kingdom of God as the ruler of that, anything that relates to your life, you make Him Lord over that, it has to bow. So whatever I'm influenced by, hey, my bank account is just not working. Well, I'm putting it under the kingdom of God and the presence of God and I'm going to say, you have to bow, buddy. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and they said, you know, man must work in order to eat. I said, yeah, man must work. It doesn't say man must get paid in order to eat. What's stopping any man from going and working? Some stuff that needs done here around the church. No, I'm joking. <laughs> man must work in order to eat. See, I go out there, whatever, I can bless, I can do whatever, I can work, I can help, I can go and uh, mow Maori's lawn if she's got a lawn. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I can mow it because I'm working, because the Bible promises me, because it's God and His kingdom and His rule and His reign, and I can establish His rule and reign over my heart and over my life. I don't need a job that pays to eat. Oh, then, oh, no, but you do grind because then, no, well, then you're living in this world, my friend. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm of a whole nother kingdom. My, my king, he's very, very wealthy. I don't have to rely on my bank account in order for me to do anything. And you can trust me, in 20-something years of ministry, I've done amazing, wonderful things in God, not because of my bank account. Trust me. This was embarrassing, the bank account. But I was never embarrassed. I've been on 
holidays to islands and all kinds of places on his expense. See, because if we dare to believe that what he's saying here is true and that he paid a price for this and it all comes down to the birth of Jesus Christ, that birth is so vital. If we can understand it, understand what actually happened there, understand what it means for, for his whole life. And he, 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 can you imagine somebody who's got all the power and everything at his disposal? Like he says, I could, listen, Peter, you want to chop some oak's ear off? I, I've got legions of angels. I could call down now. It's like the, the sons of thunder. What are you doing? You're calling down fire on this village. I love these people. You don't think I can call down fire? And I just cook this whole earth. I hold it together. I could say, enough. Let go. You know what I'm saying? This is a person who has all authority and all power at his disposal, and he taps into none of it. Why? Because he loves you and I so much that I cannot tap into that because I'm modeling something for my children where they're going to go through what I did through, and as I was sent, I'm going to send them, and they're going to be empowered to do exactly the same thing, and not just that, but greater things than I did. This is an empowered people. This is the powerful people of the church. Arise and shine, because your light has come. Amen. 2023 is whoop. That's powerful, man. 2023 is popping veins for Jesus, man. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. That's a clap for my wife saying, land, land. <laughs> shall we stand? Shall we stand?